The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash futureinvestor slash radio. Let's get to Francis Stacy, who joins us for the half hour. Francis is Director of Strategy at Optimal Capital on the line from Tampa, Florida. Francis, thanks for being with us. So we have inversion of the U.S. yield curve in that two to 10 year range. We heard today from Goldman Sachs, they are warning of uh, maybe some slowing in hiring. They may even cut some staff. And then we dropped a story on Apple planning to slow hiring and spending for some teams next year. Does this suggest that we're inevitably facing a recession? I think so. I think the mechanics are in place. I think, um, you know, they're the majority of the times that the curve is inverted, it's now deeply inverted. I think it's the biggest inversion since 2000 I saw somewhere. Um, you know, there are a few exceptions where it didn't roll into a recession, and but mostly it does lead to a recession. And you're starting to see the whole justification for a soft landing from Jay Powell is that we've got to loosen the labor market. And so you're really starting to see that. First, it was tech. Now we're seeing a little bit of it in banks, um, you know, and that probably is going to spread. And that's the Fed's plan for uh, a soft landing. Well, as Doug observed earlier, uh, Apple shares off 70% year to date. Uh, you're not the only person who sees a recession as almost inevitable now. So in terms of markets, is the bottom in? Personally, I don't think the bottom is in because I don't think that the balance sheet reduction simultaneous to these um, you know, rate hikes at an accelerated rate have been priced in fully. Um, and I think what the problem is, is that because we're making such large moves over such a small amount of time, the system doesn't have a chance to recalibrate each of those moves. And so you're actually embedding additional risk into the credit markets. If I look at the corporate um, index uh, spread, option adjusted spread, you know, we're reaching the level where they pivoted in 2018. So um, they pivoted at 1.62 in 2018, and we are at 1.58. Um, and it's been slowly going up, slowly going up, slowly going up. So as we get more aggressive with the tightening, as we as financial conditions tighten, as we reduce the liquidity in the system, uh, you know, the credit risk is going up and, and that's being reflected in the trading. Yeah, definitely. When you get tighter financial conditions, one of the byproducts is a stronger dollar. Lo and behold, here we have IBM after the bell lowering its forecast for free cash flow this year because of a strong dollar. So are we going to see a lot more of this noise here when it comes to corporate earnings? 
I mean, definitely. I mean, there are a number of things that are crunching profits and we still have that sag stagflationary sentiment in the system and particularly with the upside surprise on CPI. Um, I do think that, you know, the labor market, you know, we're still adding jobs. So, you know, the labor market is still pretty tight. That's going to be a lagging indicator. Um, and so, and the Fed is focused on CPI. And if you think about the prices that have dropped as the components of CPI, even energy has a one month lag before it hits CPI. Food has a four to eight month lag before it hits CPI. And owner's equivalent rent, which is a nice component of CPI, has like an 18 month lag, right? So these lags are what are what are causing inflation to remain sticky in the numbers, even though these commodities are selling off in the background. And so corporations looking at their profit margins and looking at the earnings expectations versus the growth expectations, which quite frankly are kind of headed in the opposite direction. So one is going to have to reconcile with the other. Um, they're looking at all of these things and it's like, wait, do we do we price this in or do we price this in? And I think that where the puck is going is inflation is going to eventually roll over. It's eventually going to come in the numbers. But the Fed has said mm -hmm. very specifically that they're now paying attention to headline CPI. And Francis, we were discussing inflation uh, when we left off. As you said, there are a lot of components to the CPI, some of which lag by months. So with that in mind, have we hit the peak of inflation? And does the Fed have to be careful here about tightening too much? I kind of feel like it's Murphy's Law. If I say that we've hit the peak, we haven't. And if I say we haven't hit the peak, we finally will have hit the peak. <laughs> it's impossible to say. Um, I think the Fed, you know, when they did their last iteration of tightening, they stopped reducing. I mean, they started reducing, stopped producing, sorry, stopped adding assets to the balance sheet in October of 2014. Then they did lift off in December of 15. You know, and then they, you know, waited quite a while before they started, um, you know, re actually reducing the assets on the balance sheet. Now, that all happened over a several several year period before they had to pivot in late of 2018. And, you know, the S&P sold off 20 percent. We still had a liquidity shortage in the system around the quarterly tax payment in September of 2019, which is important because it reignited QE before COVID where we added half a trillion dollars to the balance sheet before COVID occurred. And so that's the risk. We're making a similar um, or more move in a year's time rather than over a couple of years. And the problem with that, again, is that the system can't recalibrate all of these incremental moves. And every time we raise rates, um, consumers, you know, the bank CEOs were saying that consumers are in great shape. Consumers are using credit cards. We now have less savings in the system than we did pre-pandemic. So they're putting this stuff on credit cards. Every time that interest rate goes up 75 bips, credit card rates are going up. So, and of course, this is disproportionately affecting the lower echelon of society and the fact that they're already paying between 12 and 20% mm. um, more for things like food. And then now they're paying, you know, their interest rate is going up. So collectively, they're paying a lot more than the rest of us for some of these things, which is unfortunate. But the thing is, is what happened during COVID is these people got stimulus checks, which created demand. So now this part of the society is going to hurt the most, but we can't give them stimulus checks. Right. Because that would be creating more demand. And the Fed is trying to unmock inflation by destroying demand. So we're in a really we're in a catch 22. But the point being is that if you raise 75 bips in June, July, 
you know, we won't know if these people are defaulting 30, 60, 90 days, that will be lagging. And so we won't see problems in the credit markets probably until it's too late. And then that could be a, a major uh, headache for the Fed to try to get out from underneath a, a scenario such as that. But I want to focus more on the opportunities that you're seeing globally right now. We just heard from Ed about China being a little bit more at risk of frequent lockdowns and mass testing. We know the energy story and how it's impacting Europe. Are you seeing opportunities offshore right now outside the U.S.? Um, I feel like Europe is in a bearish market. Europe is also on a trajectory of tightening. Um, they're reducing their money supply, reducing their liquidity. Uh, China is really the only place around the globe that's easing. Of course, there's a tremendous amount of additional risk, whether it's geopolitical risk. Um, you know, opinions are varied. But basically, we have a small position in CHIQ, and I'm watching the technicals and watching support. Uh, if it drops below a level where I'm comfortable, then obviously we'll sell it. But just like we don't want to fight the Fed over here, I think you don't want to fight the central bank in China. They held steady on their rates, but they are stimulating. And, you know, we saw what happened when you put a lot of stimulus in the system attendant to the lockdowns, right? We, we got a lot of growth and we got a lot of inflation. And so mechanically and ostensibly, they could do the same thing. Now, if that proves not to be true, we sell it. Um, and take a loss. But really, China is the only place on the globe that's adding to their money supply rather than reducing it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Divergence still very much a thing. Uh, Francis Stacey, Director of Strategy at Optimal Capital. Thanks so much for joining us on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for the Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash Future Investor slash radio.